Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. So we're left with a simple decision. Either follow through on the commitment made by the last administration and leave Afghanistan, or say we weren't leaving and commit another tens of thousands more troops going back to war. That was the choice, the real choice, between leaving or escalating. I was not going to extend this forever war. And I was not extending a forever exit. Uh, Mr. President, uh, how about uh, instead of just leaving willy-nilly like our hair's on fire or escalating, why not making it clear to the Taliban we are going to leave deliberately? It's going to take a little while. We need a corridor. We're going to get all our people out. We will go when we go. If you don't like it, kiss our red, white, and blue hiney. Once again, the false choice is the big Biden defense strategy. Well, there's not um his his speech yesterday was better received by your lefty media than other things he've done, but the overall um final chapter on the war in Afghanistan and I hate to even use that term. He, he kept talking about longest war, forever war. It hasn't been a war so long. If you're going if you're going to call it a war, then I get to say well then somebody won or lost. Because somebody wins or loses wars. If you're going to say it was us occupying it to try to keep it out of the hands of the Taliban and keep an eye on Al-Qaeda, and we've decided it's not in our best interest to stay there, okay, fine, you can make that argument. But if you're going to call it a war, then there has to be a winner and a loser. There's no such thing as we've just called it, uh, like, you know, you can't walk around away from the, you're tired of playing chess and you walk away from the game. It doesn't work that way. In a war, there's a winner or a loser. And so now you've got to make the argument that we won or we lost. Don't you? We won. It was the greatest airlift in history. No, so he's not. But to me, those things don't go together. He's not making the argument that we won because you can't. But he keeps calling it a war. Well, if there's if it's a war and it's over, who won? Wasn't us. The people that controlled the country before we got there control it again, and they have a whole bunch of our equipment. They took our equipment, they told us when we could leave, and we said, okay, we'll even leave a little bit earlier, and now they're in charge. There's no possible way you can call that a win. Getting back to the whole false choice thing, give us clip 34, Michael. I take responsibility for the decision. Now some say... We should have started mass evacuation sooner. And couldn't this have been done and been done in a more orderly manner? I respectfully disagree. <laughs> Imagine if we've begun evacuations in June or July, bringing in thousands of American troops and evacuating more than 120,000 people in the middle of a civil war. There still would have been a rush to the airport a breakdown in confidence and control of the government. And it still would have been very difficult and dangerous mission. Wow, so he is still stuck on his conversation with George Stephanopoulos. No, it wouldn't change anything. It went the way it had to go. So I don't know which one of the clips it is, but where he talked about um, people that decided they wanted to stay or are still there, Americans. He pushed back hard on that, saying, look, we told them 19 times, 19 times we told, we asked them if they were ready to get out, and they had their opportunities. Well, as some people have pointed out, even on the left, 
you know, if they wanted to stay two months ago when you ask them or five months ago when you ask them, that did they still want to stay like four days ago? Because it's quite possible they changed their mind and they get to change their mind and decide they want to leave. Right. Why? Because everything had changed on the ground. Yes, of course. Because the entire landscape of the story had changed dramatically. So how many times you talk to people about getting out, you know, six months ago is irrelevant. Yeah, yeah. Well, I don't know how much good he did with that little speech. We'll just have to see. Interesting idea, though, to come out hot like that, wasn't it? Oh, yeah. Yeah, well, it, it was pretty clear to me that they, the administration feels like it's on the back foot. It's getting attacked from all sides. It has no good defense. And so they said, Mr. President, you got to come out forceful. you got to be a leader because instead of the whispery, confused old man hanging his head at the press conference. Yeah, and, and, and so it, in trying to come off as forceful, he came off as get-off-my-lawn-ish. So the, uh, you know, the end was disastrous, as we and so many people have talked about, but... Overall, the idea of getting out is still very popular with Americans. It's popular with me. Um, I thought this was some interesting stuff. Clip 44, Michael. After more than $2 trillion spent in Afghanistan, the cost that researchers at Brown University estimated would be over $300 million a day for 20 years in Afghanistan, for two decades. Yes. The American people should hear this, $300 million a day for two decades. You take the number of $1 trillion, as many say, that's still $150 million a day for two decades. And what have we lost as a consequence in terms of opportunities? I refuse to continue a war that was no longer in the service of the vital national interest of our people. Quit calling it a war. Or I'm going to ask you who won or lost. But I think the math on that is just interesting. Oh, yeah. $300 million a day for 20 years. That's what $2 trillion is. Well, that yeah, really helps put a it in lot of highways that uh, lasted for six months and schools that are now empty and enormous number of, of armaments that are now in the hands of the Taliban. On the other hand, he is right. I'll absolutely concede he's right that the large majority of the American people said, look, we've got to wind this thing down and get out. And fair enough. Yeah, and we can um, we can debate the wisdom of that, but it's kind of side question. And I just again, it irritates me that he continues to toss out that false choice between escalating and staying there for another twenty years or doing everything precisely as he did it. That's not what this conversation's about. It hasn't been a war in at least seven years, at least maybe longer. I mean, there have been periods of violence in the exchange of ordnance. But that but doesn't constitute a war. No, not really. It's an insurgency. Barack Obama ended combat the combat mission in 2014. That's seven years ago. Yeah, that so, was kind of phony-ish, but uh, it, it was a, a down escalation, a de-escalation, rather. I, I don't know. I, 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 don't, I don't know why the politicians and the media all got suckered into this war narrative, and then it makes it more difficult to uh, pull off anything that makes any sense but that's where we are it's over um it'll be interesting to see how uh, how it plays i said last week i thought biden's approval rating was going to end up in the 30s but it's amazing how time smooths these things out and the news cycles will roll on to different things and 
you know, my guess is he he's in the low 40s, which is where Trump was. And Trump almost got reelected. So there you go. Yeah. His his management of the Afghanistan situation is well down into the 30s. Uh, I'll I'll, I'll oh, dig yeah. up those numbers during the commercial. Hey, there's one more clip I'd like to hear. It's a montage of old Uncle Joe saying one thing in particular. Clip 47, Michael. If there's American citizens left, we're going to stay till we get them all out. This town, this state, this country takes care of our own. Leaves nobody behind. Giving everyone a fair shot. Leaving nobody behind. That we do take care of our own. That we leave nobody behind. Help everyone in need. Look out for one another. Leave nobody behind. But we will leave no one behind. It's what America's all about. It's about pulling together, leaving nobody behind. Giving hate no safe harbor and leaving no one behind. Reweaving that social fabric that holds a society together. Honesty, decency, hope, leaving nobody behind. <laughs> yeah, it seemed you know. to be a theme of his. My favorite clip was the one from that was from the campaign, right? Where with the birds, like this. Well, no one. But the birds birds were louder than him. (laughs) Perfectly Um, clear. Did somebody have the anyway? So, I hope that the mainstream media, which is overwhelmingly left and would rather Biden's president than DeSantos than or whoever else, um. I would hope that the mainstream media, certainly ABC News, I would certainly think George Stephanopoulos, since Joe Biden looked him in the eye and said, we'll stay as long as we need to stay and get everybody out. I would hope that they will stay on this story and keep asking them about that and say, hey, dude, what's the deal? Um, But I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if there'll be any legs to this story at all. Our, Our ability to turn the page and move on to other things is extraordinary. You know, just... Just as human beings in the modern world, you know, with the smartphone in our hand and the, my, my own attention span, everybody's attention span is so short. Um, I think even something this big will just roll on. Yeah, yeah, we'll have to see. I'm looking for Gallup. Uh, da, 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 25% of Americans approve of the way Biden's handling the Afghanistan situation. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me. I just think it will be ago. it will play a minor percentage of his overall approval, certainly by the time we get to the next election. Yeah, I'll bring you some more of these poll numbers a little bit later on. We, are we going to learn how to speak Bidenese? And, and I'm not saying this because it's, you know, because I'm all excited about the next presidential election defeating Joe Biden or whatever. I just think there should be a price to pay for lying to all of us like this. You said so many things that weren't true. You just you flat out the Friday, uh, the last Friday before last, when he got up there and he said uh, there's no Al Qaeda in the country. Americans can get to the checkpoints easily, and uh, and anybody who wants to leave is getting out. He just flat out lied about that. There should be a price to pay for that. Yeah, I know it. I know it. Was, but I'm it not was sure there will bizarre. be. Bizarre. Well, and again, anyway, I that's think enough anger. How about his, funny? Speaks to his uh, his mental capabilities, if nothing else. Yes, funny, yeah, funny yeah. is what we need. Yeah, enough anger. Uh, we got some funny on the way. This Bidenese thing that somebody put out on the social media. That's just. I think you'll find it hilarious, no matter who you are. That's next. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. 
So I don't know if this guy's name is Joel Fisher. That's where I saw it on the Twitter. Um, he's got a video of it, uh, Learn to Speak Bidenese in Two Minutes, and uh, I was making the rounds on social media yesterday. We have it linked at armstrongandgetty.com. We're going to play it for you. Um, it's like two and, and a half worth minutes looking long. At, it's worth watching, too. The video's funny. Yeah, the way he puts it together is really, really. I mean, it's as good as anything you see on late-night television. People are getting paid millions of dollars to do. Um, I often wonder if these really creative people, do they do they get what they deserve out of this brilliant stuff, or is it just the satisfaction of, of knowing you amused your neighbors? No, a lot of them have zillions of followers and make huge coin. Uh-huh. I don't know about this guy, but anyway, uh, <laughs> let's roll. Today, I am going to teach you how to speak Bidenese. I'm going to teach you a few words, and then we'll get the proper pronunciation and context from the master himself, President Joe Biden. The first word I'm going to teach you today is nexnosrent. Nexnosrent. President Biden will now demonstrate this word for us. Donald Trump does pose an nexnosrent to this. The It's not hypothetical. It's not hypothetical. Next, no front. <laughs> I thought that was particularly funny. It's not hypothetical. Roll on. Okay, the next word we've got is care. care. Say it. Try it. care. President Biden. Rock and I think it's a right for people to have care. <laughs> it just keeps building. Here we go. Next, my bus been wet. Now, th- a common error on this one is people put the stress on the wrong syllable. It's not my bus been wet. It's not my bus been wet. It's my bus been wet. Say it. My bus been wet. My bus been wet. <laughs> <laughs> it's him talking to some reporters as he walks across the lawn. <laughs> who, who knows what he was trying to say? <laughs> Oh my God! Here's another one. Next, we have a word that's that's much simpler. Palmist, palmist. Can you say palmist, President Biden? Palmist. And if we do, and I'm sure we can, we can proclaim the palmist with the palmist who wrote these following words. Right. Wow, what was going on there? I think he is meaning to say psalm, psalmist, psalmist, because he is a bit to get into a Bible thing. But for some reason, and as a guy who's been going to to me, that really speaks to his mental decline. Because, I mean, he's a highly observing Catholic, very religious guy. And that word just like it disappeared from him. But this is the best. This is the big finish. Here we go. All right, now that you've got four words in the bag, we're going to move on to a really complex Bidenese word. Do you think you're ready for it? You're going to really have to pay attention here. Uh, This is sort of advanced level Bidenese. Very long (laughs) word, okay? This is what it is. It's a very long word. Are you ready? Truender-dubba-depressure. Truender-dubba-depressure. One word. One word. Truender dash double depressure. Say it a little more quickly. Truender dash double depressure. Truender dash double depressure. President Biden, go. I'll lead an effective strategy to mobilize Truender dash double depressure. Truender dash double depressure. 
<laughs> oh, my gosh. And we have the whole thing at armstrongandgetty.com. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I, I don't know what's going on there. I really don't. But watching the speech last night or yesterday, it, it just he can't read off the teleprompters. He obviously, whether it's his eyesight or he just he can't concentrate or he loses his place or, or his brain doesn't work, he can't read. Can, can they give him like a big print version he can just stare down at like he's a middle schooler giving a report? <laughs> True international average of pressure. <laughs> True inter-dash-dub-a-depressor. True inter-dash-dub-a-depressor. Does, does at some point the mainstream media pick up on his mental decline? You know, there, there, there might be a good reason for the media not to pick up on that. There might be a good reason to not harp on that. Well, they're constantly diagnosing Trump with various yep. mental illnesses. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's oh, yeah. a drumbeat. You know, for national yeah. security purposes, I get your point. Uh, the closest you get to it is you'll have like a WAPO or a New York Times journalist describe the president and in a speech seemed confused at times or angry. My busman went. My busman went. Do we have Nexel's minerals rent? <laughs> Oh, oh, God, that's funny. Uh, it's at armstrongandgetty.com, along with uh, all the podcasts, if you miss an hour. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Well, I, I saw a recent interview with a spokesman from... Uh, the Taliban, uh, when he was asked about uh, bin Laden's role in 9-11, uh, he said, uh, I saw no evidence that bin Laden was involved in 9-11. So if the Taliban uh, is defending bin Laden in 9-11, then you know they're going to continue to provide a safe haven for al-Qaeda as well. I always liked Leon Panetta. He was a sec def for uh, Obama. He was also ran the CIA for a while. He's worked in different administrations, Republicans and Democrats, and uh, always been a pretty straight shooter as far as I could tell. And him saying, look, if the Taliban is denying bin Laden had anything to do with 9-11, that tells you where they are. I mean, it's pretty obvious. But right. There you go. Right. Their um, uh, battle against F- ISIS is just a, a, a battle for supremacy in their own territory. It's just a power grab. Yeah, uh, there's kind of a breaking news on the whole Afghanistan thing. Maybe we'll get to later, but not now. Okay. Are you got a hint at it or anything? Um, what Joe Biden knew and when he knew it. Yeah, I love it. Love True international average of pressure. Stay exactly. with us for that. Yeah. So, oh, well, so you claim, sir. So this is one of those gigantic stories that's flown somewhat under the radar because the radar has been uh, focused exclusively on the disastrous evacuation of Afghanistan. New Texas abortion law, it bars abortions after about six weeks of pregnancy. It took effect today after the Supreme Court declined to act on emergency requests by clinics and abortion right advocates to block it. When the court said nothing by midnight, the ban officially went into force, making it the most restrictive abortion law in effect in the U.S. and seemingly uh, in conflict conflict with uh, Supreme Court precedents, including Roe versus Wade. So is this an attempt to force a court case or do they actually think this is sound policy that they'll have going forward? You know, I, I think it's probably 
both, but it's absolutely an effort to provoke a case that uh, could overturn Roe v. Wade, which is highly questionable legal thinking, by the way. Roe v. Wade didn't say abortion's fine because A, B, and C, and D. It just imagined that there is a quote-unquote right to privacy implied by the Bill of Rights, the Constitution, and that that included the medical procedure of abortion. Maybe you agree with that, maybe you don't, but that's essentially what the decision was. And there are a lot of people that think they created a right out of thin air uh, that doesn't really exist, and uh, people have been uh, hankering to retry the idea for a long time. So um, I don't know what the polling would be in Texas specifically, but nationally the polling is people are okay with abortion being legal first trimester, not okay with it being legal second and third. That's just pretty overwhelming, both parties. Mm-hmm. It's just where people are on this issue. So I, I, I assume at some point after decades, we'll get to where the people are on the issue. Yes, and that will vary state by state, which is one of the the principles. People who don't like Roe versus Wade have, have uh, you know shouted through the decades now. Look, you've made it a, a a blanket decision by the courts. You've removed it from the legislature. You've removed it from the representatives of the people who can state by state express the will and the opinion of the people. And elections have consequences in the rest of it. Um, by the way, the law in Texas, Jack, you might find this interesting, um, dictates a physician can't knowingly perform an abortion if there is a detectable fetal heartbeat, which the law defines to include embryonic cardiac activity that appears about six weeks into a pregnancy, which is uh, well before a lot of women realize they're pregnant. And it, it seemingly is at odds with current Supreme Court precedent, which forbids states from prescribing the procedure, proscribing the procedure before the fetus is viable or able to live outside the womb. So, yeah, this will definitely be uh, pushed along. There will be legal uh, fights, and we will probably, maybe, see this in the Supreme Court at some point. Boy, that'll be a big one. I saw uh, the other day old man Breyer's talking about reti- retiring at some point. He said, I'm not mm-hmm. going to die in this job. Uh, can you imagine? Well, it's it's going to be three and a half years till a Republican even has a chance. But can you imagine if uh, if he decides, you know, I'm feeling better. I got uh, I got some nice vitamin supplements off the Internet. I'm taking a Viagra. I'm uh, I'm feeling pretty good. I, I got a new elliptical here back in the uh, oh, doing you know, the Peloton. Offices. Yeah, exactly. I got a Peloton subscription. I'm feeling better than I have in years. I'm going to hang on and he hangs on to like the first day of the next Republican administration and he croaks it and, uh, and, and it ends up being a seven to two conservative majority. Oh, month America would just poo itself. Month one, he keels over and DeSantis is choosing a Supreme Court justice. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Or Trump again. Yeah, beautiful. Hey, a quick word from our beloved friends at Simply Safe Home Security. And uh, it's not just like burglar security. Simply Safe is a great system. Technically, the people involved are great. The the folks who will monitor your safety are great. They're going to keep you safe during a fire, burglary, medical emergency. They're even there when you're just setting up the system. Armstrong and well, I was about to give our own website. That our own website's fantastic, but it's not going to help you that much with Simply Safe. Uh, you go to simplysafe.com slash Armstrong, and you can click around on there for a little bit and customize the system to your home. It's really easy to do. Then it will come in the mail, and it's really easy to set up. It's going to take about 30 minutes, and not only is it easy to set up, but along with the medical fire 
all the, the police help that you get through the Simply Safe system, you've got instant access to help setting up the system. So that's pretty cool. You can save 20% on your Simply Safe security system just because you're our listener. And you get your first month free when you sign up for interactive monitoring service. Just visit simplysafe.com slash Armstrong. Customize the system like Jack was talking about. Start protecting your home and your family or your business, your workshop. That's simplysafe.com slash Armstrong. So we were playing some clips earlier from a uh, Marxist high school teacher, secretly recorded, openly willing to say to anybody who was asking him questions about how, oh yeah, I'm trying to, I'm trying to uh, convince these kids to be revolutionaries. You know, I get them young and I convince them to be super left uh, Marxists. And he was out and proud about that as a high school teacher. And we got a bunch of texts about that. How about if you put a bug in your kid's backpack? I don't, I don't know if that's. Uh, the way you want to go? Yeah, check your local laws. Who am I to quibble? Um, but we got this text. I work at two high schools in the Sacramento area, uh, which is pertinent because that's where this teacher was in the Sacramento, California area, who was talking openly about teaching your kids to uh, be revolutionaries. And he's an Antifa we, guy. He's got an Antifa flag in his classroom. That's unbelievable. Yeah. So it's is like that he's doing it in secret. Is that parents don't know he has an Antifa flag or don't know what an Antifa flag would be? Or are enough people just completely unaware of Antifa? He was unaware of Antifa. He said, I'm teaching Antifa, anti-fascist. I'm teaching these kids to be anti-fascist. So he buys the whole Antifa named themselves. Um, BS. Oh, yeah. Well, he believes anybody who's a defender of, you know, any of the current systems is a fascist. He believes that firmly. And he's an active Antifa member, too. He's not joking around. So I brought up the idea of how do you know what's going on in your kid's school? I don't have high school kids, which, from what I understand, they get less communicative as they get older. But my sixth grader now in middle school, man, getting any information out of him is is hard. How was school today? Fine. What'd you learn? Stuff. You know, and, and it just goes that way. And so I was wondering, how would I find out what he's being taught in school? We got this uh, email. I work at two high schools in the Sacramento area. We have back-to-school night. We just had it, and no parents showed up. So they have no idea what's going on in the classroom. Uh, it's wow. a low percentage of students' parents who show up. When my kids were young, I was at every back-to-school night. Yeah, me too, and I always will be. And I checked in with their teachers, and I knew what was going on in the classrooms. I can't guarantee I know what's going on in the classrooms. I go to back-to-school night and parent-teacher conferences, and I talk to my kids, but... What actually happens in the classroom on a daily basis, I, I can't guarantee I know. But the fact that parents don't show up, that's got to be a particular neighborhood, right? Yes. Yeah, I remember back to school night at my kid's high school, which was, uh, you know, well, it was, I used to refer to it as Caucasian Acres, joking. It was actually pretty diverse, but it was upscale in a great school system. Um, although I understand in, in the intervening years it has declined. Anyway. Ah, uh, it was so crowded. I mean, like walking outside on the sidewalks, you had to make sure you didn't bump into anybody. It was throngs of parents there. And then I would talk to teachers say nobody shows up. In fact, if somebody does show up, everybody freaks out. Like, what do we do now in some schools? And, and by the way, it's worth pointing out to the, the question of knowing what's being taught in your kids' schools. The Marxist teachers, the real activist radical teachers, and there's way more of them than you'd be comfortable with. They know they have to be careful 
They know it's important that the kids not convey what they're being taught, and they will actively talk about, you know, your parents are going to resist this stuff. They don't understand it, so, you know, you probably shouldn't tell them, which is a giant red flag in education. And some of the curriculum and curricula, we were discussing this the other day, actually say other generations might interfere with the progress, so it's best to keep them out of the loop. It's unbelievable what's going on. Somebody suggested volunteering your kid's classroom is a good way to find out what's going on. That that makes sense, but not all classes need volunteers. And I'm I'm guessing the teachers that are, you know, trying to convince your kid they need to be in Antifa are not looking for lots of parents to come uh, help with anything. But it's it's definitely something to keep an eye on. You you certainly can't do this. You can't send your kid off to school and just assume everything's okay anymore. That that is something that is. I think we've all grasped that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know what's really interesting is alert listener Paul just sent us a a section of the uh, California law having to do with education. And Section 51.530 says, No teacher giving instruction in any school or on any property belonging to any agencies included in the public school system shall advocate or teach communism with the intent to indoctrinate or to inculcate the mind of any pupil a preference for communism. And it goes into quite some detail, too. This guy is obviously flamingly, proudly in violation of the law. But nothing's done. And he says, oh, yeah, there's several of us here that are uh, way left. He described himself as as far left as you can go. And that I have 180 days to uh, turn these students into revolutionaries. So meaning Marxist revolutionaries, the person with Project Veritas Veritas, who was secretly recording him, what was he claiming to be? He was claiming that he and his son were just really interested in getting down with the cause and connecting. And, uh, you know, how do we get involved? Okay. Just trying to portray themselves as fellow travelers. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Huh. Because it's just amazing to me that anybody would speak that openly about, I'm a high school teacher and I'm as far left as you can get. Which would be, obviously, we said this earlier, just as bad if you were as far right as you can get. We shouldn't have extremists. You are, by definition, if you're at the very far left or right, an extremist. We shouldn't have extremists teaching high school kids. Or any kids. Well, what time is it? We got you know what well, we got a second. We're going to reset this thing completely late in the show in hour four. But uh, uh, give us clip twenty three, Michael. This is Gabriel Geib of Indercom High School in Natomas, California. Uh, I, I probably uh, as as far left as you can go. <laughs> so like, um, I've gone down those deep dark rabbit holes where like the idea of like adventurism and just being like, why aren't people just like taking up arms? Like why? Are, and you know, we have historical take, take taking up arms like yeah. against the state. Like, it, and we have historical examples of that happening and them getting crushed and being martyrs for a cause. And it's like. Okay, well, it's it's still going because it takes massive amounts of organization. There you go. Flirting with taking up arms, the violent overthrow of the American government, preaching communism to children, and turning them into revolutionaries. Welcome to your local high school. That's wild. So we have this kind of breaking news, if it turns out to be true, about the whole Afghanistan uh, withdrawal story, what Biden knew when, what he was saying behind the scenes. We'll have that for you next. The next little strength. Armstrong and Getty.
So we're left with a simple decision. Either follow through on the commitment made by the last administration and leave Afghanistan, or say we weren't leaving and commit another tens of thousands more troops going back to war. That was the choice, the real choice, between leaving or escalating. I was not going to extend this forever war. And I was not extending a forever exit. Have you heard anybody who's who buys that argument no. that those were the two choices? No, no, that's hilarious. There wasn't another choice, uh, a better planned and executed departure, a controlled departure, a departure we controlled instead of the Taliban. Please. Ridiculous. Um, so this is out from Reuters. Biden pressured Ghani, that was the president of Afghanistan, to create a perception that the Taliban weren't winning. President Biden pressured Afghanistan President Ashraf Ghani to create the perception that the Taliban weren't winning, whether it's true or not, said Joe Biden, in a phone call just three weeks before the insurgents took control of the country. Biden and Ghani spoke for roughly 14 minutes on July 23rd in what would be their final phone call before the Taliban overran the government. Much of the call was focused on what Biden referred to as the Afghan government's perception issue. I need not tell you the perception around the world and in parts of Afghanistan, I believe, is that things are not going well in terms of the fight against the Taliban, Biden said. <laughs> Jeez. There's, hmm. there's one of the all-time understatements, as it turns out. Uh, and there is a need, whether it is true or not, there is a need to project a different picture. At the time, the Taliban had already seized about half the country's district centers and was only weeks away from taking Kabul. So the Taliban had already taken half the country when Biden is telling uh, Ghani, you know, there's a perception among some that uh, that you're not strong and holding up against the Taliban. What's oh, that? breaking half the news, breaking news. I will alert the media, Mr. President. Oh, wow. thank you for the phone call, Mr. President. Did it, did it, did, did it. We have breaking news. There's a perception we can't fight the Taliban. Yeah, no S. Sherlock, he says back to the president, probably. Wow. <laughs> uh, Biden told Ghani that Afghanistan's prominent political figures, including former President Hamid Karzai, who the airport is named after for some reason, should give a joint press conference that backed a new military strategy on how to defeat the Taliban, saying, we will change perception and that will change an awful lot, I think. I'm not a military guy, Biden said. So I'm not telling you what the plan should precisely look like. You're going to get not only more help, but you're going to get a perception that is going to change in terms of how um, our allies and folks here in the States and other places think you're doing. Yeah, well, that's uh, straight out of the too little, too late handbook. You clearly have the best military, Biden said. You have 300,000 well-armed forces versus 70,000, 80,000, and they're clearly capable of fighting well. We will well, continue wait a minute, to provide- wait a minute, wait a minute. i got to stop you right there. I mean, I was aware that that 300,000 was a hollow number. There were ghost soldiers, tens of thousands, maybe 100,000 of them, that just disappeared, went home, and weren't ready to fight anything. So why is he pitching that number to the president of the very country? In a private phone call, I don't know why they wouldn't have been at more of a point of uh, dealing with reality right there. Exactly. Um, When our president's talking to their president, when the Taliban has half the country, why would you still be putting the happy spin on it? Right. When everybody involved knows, why wouldn't you be saying, look, how many serious fighters do you think you have, Mr. President? About 120? Okay. 
All right, well, that's a serious challenge. What do you need, blah, blah, blah? No, you have 300,000 well-armed uh, phantoms that uh, just went home the moment their training was done, if they finished it at all. Listen to this sentence from the president, though, from Joe Biden, and how it turned out. We will continue to provide close air support if we know what the plan is, and all the way through the end of August, and who knows what after that. Wow. Promised close air support from the United States all through the end of August. We didn't even come close to that. And, and when, did we, when did we ghost them from Bagram? Do you remember the date? I don't remember when we left Bagram, but um, the country fell the weekend of the 14th. So, yeah, two weeks ago. So mm-hmm. we didn't make it to the end of August with close air support. I mean, obviously, there was not a lot of close air support going on there as the Taliban came into Kabul, or we'd have blasted them off the earth. Wow. I don't know what was going on there. Biden's tone throughout the call suggests he did not expect the collapse of the Afghan government just three weeks later. I I assume there will be lots of people looking at this. As the Washington Post said, this needs to be looked at from every angle and it needs to start immediately. I hope that actually happens. I hope that actually happens. The guy from The Apprentice got impeached for saying, hey, Hunter Biden's a crook. You ought to investigate him or something. But this, this is fine. Yeah. Unbelievable. And then that president grabbed $160 million and left the country. He's got a pretty good life going so far. Hey, you got to know when to hold him, know when to fold him. Huh? <laughs> Armstrong and Getty.